This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Dojo Live this week. My name is Kim Lantis, and it's my pleasure to be joining you from Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico. This very sunny, what is it, Tuesday, I believe, or we already at the 28th of June. Unbelievable. I cannot believe we're halfway through, more than halfway through 2022 as it stands. Joining me today is my co-host, America Guerrero. Hello, everybody. It feels like a Friday. I don't know why. And it's only Tuesday. I know why. It's because you've got a big day on Saturday. That's true. That's true. America is officially tying the knot, folks, on Saturday. So so congratulate her. Wish me luck. Perfect. Yes. And today's guest, the most important person today, is Drew Carter, CEO of Whistle Systems. Thank you for joining us today, Drew. Great. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here. Yes. It's going to be a fun conversation. Today's conversation is based around and all about employee loyalty. So before we get to that, however, we would like to get to know you a bit better. Please, Drew, if you could tell us about yourself, your background, what makes you tick, and kind of what led up to Whistle. Sure. Um, So I was a software engineer when I came out of school, uh, and I I liked that a lot. Um, Solving problems with computer code was probably one of my favorite jobs. Uh, And I became a software architect. So if you've ever been to Disney World and used the magic band, uh, I was the architect that made that work uh, many years ago. Um, So I went to grad school uh, because I thought I I wanted to expand beyond just technology. And after that, I got into artificial intelligence engines. So we really just called them predictive modeling at the time. But but AI sounds much cooler and sexier. So we go with that term. Um, But we've... uh, I and my teams have built uh, predictive models where we can predict all sorts of things and really get really accurate. So for example, we could predict who's gonna stop taking their medication. Um, but, but the math kind of runs out of juice there when you say, oh, Kim, for example, you're gonna stop taking an important medication. The math ends when we say, well, how do we get you to keep taking it? So I, I was kind of looking around for what you do there and I happened upon behavioral science. So I've been a a behavioral scientist hobbyist uh, for about the last 10 or 12 years. And and that's taken me in all sorts of interesting directions. Uh, But I founded a a practice called Alex Partners Digital um, back in 2013. We grew that to 100 million in revenue. And uh, that was very exciting. Um, And I left there to join one of my clients. Uh, We did a lot of digital transformation. I joined my client company, which also, frankly, gave me an opportunity to be with my kids a lot more. I was traveling uh, 50 nice. weeks a year. So I took a job with one of my clients um, here in St. Louis. Uh, and it gave me not only an opportunity to run a great company, but also to be with my family and my kids a lot more. And then in 2020, during the middle of the pandemic, where who knew, who knew what was going to happen, um, some colleagues and I started our company Whistle. But that's my background. So I I live in St. Louis. Uh, I have two wonderful boys uh, that are almost taller than me. Uh, <laughs> drives me crazy, but uh, I focus on whistle. 
That is quite a story. And I have to say, Drew, you do not look old enough to have all of that in your background. So either you started super young or you age really, really well. We're going to go with the second. Okay, yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> all right, perfect. So talking about employee loyalty leading up to Whistle Systems, I have a hunch that Whistle Systems is more a, well, it's this mashup, I'm guessing, of the computer science with the behavioral science, which is a little harder to tackle down. Tell us, tell us what Whistle Systems does. What are you all about and the kind of problem you solve? Yeah, you got it. Well, so in my previous company, uh, I ran the largest consumer loyalty programs in the world. Um, things like Marriott program, Southwest Airlines and whatnot. And uh, as we, we also ran uh, some of the largest employee engagement platforms. Uh, and so as a part of that, there were lots of incentive payments that we made. Uh, we, we processed about $6 billion a year in incentive payments. Uh, but, but the first thing I noticed was the process to reward someone. So imagine you want to pay someone like a bonus for doing a, a, just a fantastic job. You want to buy them lunch or, or anything like that. The process was a manual file was created, sent somewhere else, 45 days later, uh, you get in the mail this generic white envelope with a bunch of legal terms and a, and a plastic gift card. And you just hope you don't drop it in the sewer because if you do, it's gone forever. Uh, and I thought, well, this can't, we're processing $6 billion a year. This can't be how we do this. And, and yet it was. There's a whole industry that works around this and it all felt broken. But not only that, uh, we, we ran these large software programs that had this complicated function where I'm going to give you points. Let's say, Kim, you and I work together. I, I'm going to give you 50 points because you did a great job. And with that, right? <laughs> so here's 50 points, but really you don't have any idea what's a point worth and what am I supposed to do with these points? How many points do I have? And then there's this crazy warehouse where with 25 million points, you could get a toaster that you really don't want. So anyways, I was, I was looking around at the way employers engage with employees. And I thought a lot of this is broken. It really doesn't work well. And during the pandemic, that difference between became even more exa exaggerated <clears throat> where employees were saying, I want more. I want this relationship to be better. I'm not here just to be a cog in this engine, but I want to feel like I, I belong and like I'm valued. So I got together and, and you guessed it. One of my co-founders is a doctor in behavioral science. Um, and I got together with, with another co-founder who, who really has his finger on the pulse of how HR works and whatnot and, and a few other folks. And uh, we created Whistle. And our, our mission was to really help employees thrive. How can we create an environment where um, employees feel like they are valued and they belong? Because when they do, the company's going to make more money and your customers are going to have better service and products. Everyone's going to win. And that's actually why we call our company Whistle. It started off with the phrase, we whistle while we work. And so our URL is wewhistle.com. Uh, so that's where Whistle comes from. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for, for that background on, on your company story. So, which leads awesomely into today's topic, which was chosen by you. What is that topic, America? Sure. Employees loyalty. How can employers create loyalty among a staff? I guess that this behavioral 
science it's involved in this topic please could you share why is it important today why is it relevant for today's show yeah so employee loyalty is an interesting term not a lot of people use it um you've probably heard lots of consumer loyalty you know I, i've got this mm -hmm, great mm -hmm. loyalty program for an airline or for my coffee company or, or whomever but we don't really talk about employee loyalty and i think it's a big miss but yet you know what i mean when i say it right you can imagine what well, probably is this this and this so when we looked around we thought well gosh employers have been used to a very transactional relationship with their employees and uh you know if you think back if you if you've ever watched the show mad men it really it's it's set in the 1950s and it really shows like the toxicity of how many employees were treated just so many people in that time weren't treated with the respect and affection that we now expect so if you're going to go buy something at amazon or go buy a coffee at starbucks or, or whatever you expect that company to know what i bought last kind of know what my preferences are maybe be able to recommend something that i would like like i really expect you to know me and this is from a company that i'm just buying something from but those relationships with your employer now every employee in the reverse the company expects to know their customers exactly there's data and everything galore that that's right they want that's to right. of. so consumer loyalty we've been hammering on uh you know for years and in fact i you probably can't go to more than one out of ten restaurants without some points or loyalty app being offered to you uh as a as a consumer loyalty program so so companies know that loyalty is important, yet they have, they have really not shined that light on their employees. So what, when we think about employee loyalty, the first element is how do companies demonstrate their loyalty to their employees, not the other way around. The first step is how do I show you that you matter to me? Because once I do that, then you will show me the loyalty back. Um, so that, that loyalty is really if you think about as a as a small business or even in a department, if you were to, let's say, hire someone like your sister or brother into your company, you wouldn't do any of the normal processes, right? You would go get that person by the hand. You'd walk them in personally. You'd buy them lunch. You'd say, I know they say this in the official stuff, but here's how things really work or whatever it is. And so what we're trying to do is approximate that kind of affection in all the processes that create loyalty, especially around the feeling of value and belonging. So that's what we mean about employee loyalty. And um, so far we've seen great success. We, we launched with a uh, manufacturing company uh, mm -hmm. who was having a lot of problem with employee retention. Uh, we launched with onboarding uh, and, uh, and, and uh, payments. And within three months, they improved their retention by 26%. Wow. It works. Yeah. Wow. Uh, no, yeah, it's okay. Um, you you were talking about expectations and employees. Is this something that has been changing with the pandemic? Yeah, I think that employees. Let's just say people. Our our expectations of companies have been changing for years. So think about before Amazon. I expected kind of I might go to some retailer and buy something, and that retailer doesn't know anything about me. But Amazon really taught us that, oh, if I, if I buy this thing or even look at it, 
you're probably going to make a recommendation to me about other things I like. And on Netflix, I might go to Netflix and I might not even have to push a button. I just turn it on and it's going to play something just for me. So my expectations have been growing year over year that each company I deal with knows me better and knows me personally, not in a creepy way, but in a way that says, I recognize who you are. I know you bought this. I know you might like this. I know we try not to be creepy. But I think that those same expectations have been growing for your employer, but the pandemic accelerated that. So that all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of momentum for what you're currently doing, right? Your inertia. So if I have a job, it's not that great. Uh, I might not like it that much, but it's easy to stay. But all of a sudden the pandemic happened and I might not have that job anymore, or that job might be completely different. Now I'm working from home. Uh, now I've reevaluated what's really important to me. Um, and it, it's given everyone an opportunity to think, you know, do I like my employer? Is this, is this actually working or do I need to rethink things? And I, so I think it accelerated those emotions of, Hey, you're not treating me very well. And this doesn't feel fair. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think we can probably all agree that this is universal sensation, that it's really not going to be going anywhere. And um, so, like, let's get companies on board, right, to really care about their employees, their employee loyalty as much, or I would argue even more than they do with their, their customer loyalty. So where does We Whistle come in, or Whistle Systems, come into that exactly? How are you utilizing tech to make that happen. You mentioned helping with onboarding. You mentioned helping with payments. What's my experience yeah. going to be? Where does the tech come in? Right. So we have a, an integrated platform that allows people to uh, take their, their multiple use cases for their employees and make them simple and easy. So we allow things like onboarding. We, ha we have a content library. We have a workflow engine. We have rewards and recognition and payment processing. So that can allow you to say, oh gosh, um, America, I'm so excited to have you join the company. Here's your new onboarding. But we're a little bit special at our company, for example. I'm gonna send you, before you even start, the uh, Dojo Live payment card because you might have some incidental expenses before you even join us that I'll cover. And so I don't want you to have to pay out of pocket. So I'll send you uh, a little login and you can have access to a pre-funded card of $1,000 if you need it. Then it's got instructions that say, here's exactly where to show up on your first day and who you should meet. So you know what's happening. Plus, I'm going to add a little bit of training content. If you want to take it beforehand, that's great. If not, fine. It'll be there waiting for you. Um, so we have a, a tech platform that integrates all these things together. Uh, if you... Uh, earn a, a, a recognition or reward, it automatically pays you uh, without any delay. We also have an artificial intelligence engine, as you can imagine with my background, that guides you along the way and personalizes the experience for everyone. So what I found is we all know that there's a lot of things we have to do that are important but not urgent. So for example, I may need to, I may need to give some feedback to my team or something like that. I don't have to do it today, but I do eventually have to do it. Those are the things that get kicked down the road. And sometimes you don't ever get to them. So our AI engine that we call Robin is the one that gives you the little nudge, says, hey, Kim, you need to do this feedback. 
or you've got this mandatory training, it's not due for nine months, but don't wait eight months to get started on it. Um, that sort of thing. It also starts to get into even more detail where it can predict what's happening in your company. So it can predict, hey, we see uh, a pocket of people who are likely to quit. It suggests that their manager might need some new training and it can automatically recommend that training to that manager all within the system. So what we try to do is it's not that we're inventing new things that you never needed, you never knew you needed to do, like give, give recognition or feedback or things like that. We all know we need to do those things, but we all tend to procrastinate. So what we do is make it super easy and simple with a little nudge every once in a while. So it, it pushes you to make those things and makes it simple. That's cool. our um Yep. Talking about the, uh, sorry, the artificial intelligence side, and I'm sure you're running data. We do have a question from the audience, and this is coming from Enrique. Enrique, I do apologize. Uh, I'll, I'm going to pop you this up. in there. Thank you. <laughs> One more time, America. Let me read it again because I'm not an expert. Te calle, Walt. Yeah, I think that's a shout out to indigenous uh, Mexican uh, Mayan, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, he is asking, what are the most in-demand things to be loyal? What have you seen that's really, you know, pushing it and, and making a difference here? What yeah. do employees want? Yeah. So we actually have a, a, the employee hierarchy of needs taken from Maslow's hierarchy. Um, it starts with safety at work. I need to know I'm safe, both physically, but also emotionally and mentally safe. I need to know uh, that I have clear expectations. I need to know what my job is. And then I need to know how I grow and develop mastery. Those are the first three. Then I need to have a, a sense of value. I need to feel like I belong. And I need to have a sense of meaning. All six of those build, the, the top one builds on the one below. You have to meet those first three to achieve short-term retention. If people don't feel safe, you'll have retention in your first week or month. If they don't feel like they understand their job, you know, your first couple of months. Um, so those are the six building blocks. And I can provide a little white paper uh, as a follow-up to anyone who, who would like it. But sure. what we, we, can, what we, we can include that on, on your landing page for the show. Okay, great, I'll provide that. But what also we found is onboarding is the most important element to retention. It's actually your first step to retaining those people. So if you treat onboarding as just a, a box checking exercise, so it's really just bringing someone in, checking some paperwork and sending them off, you're already starting a problem with attrition. But if you, if you treat onboarding as an opportunity to bring someone into your organization, your corporate family, then you're setting them up for long-term retention. So it's, it starts with those six levels of the hierarchy of needs, but the most tactical element is treat onboarding like you would if it was your sister or brother. And do you provide this platform for bigger companies? Because I'm guessing that you might need at least an amount of employees to have this. Is, yeah. Am I correct? Or, or it could be for a startup? Is there a sweet spot? Or, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, actually, so our sweet spot is between 100 and 1,000 employees. However, uh, we have companies as small as four employees. Uh, Steve's Hot Dogs in St. Louis uh, uses us to train all their employees uh, with just a handful of people. 
Um, and so we actually even have a, a free account option uh, right off our website that you can sign up and use our basic services for free, especially as a small uh, small business, uh, to try to you know provide a service to those small businesses that are just getting started. And we have uh, we have new clients sign up every week uh, through that channel. But then we also we we have a major airline as a client, uh, so we also handle companies with tens of thousands of employees. So we try to kind of stretch the gambit. I wanted to come back to the onboarding that you mentioned. What are you seeing or what are you building out? How is this being used in, in We Whistle Whistle Systems to not feel like a checkbox? Like what are you capable of that's beyond read this and tell right. me when you're done? Well, what does that look like? Yeah, a part of it is providing that payment card even before people join. Um, to help them out with, with whatever the process is. But also, so we focus a lot on video content and on micro components. So we have a template of what uh, onboarding can look like. And our recommendation is onboarding is at least 90 days. It doesn't mean it's full time, but it's at least a 90 day process. And in our template, we start with tell your new people about your mission. Why are you here? What are you about? Let's talk about the why first, and then we'll talk about how we get the job done. Uh, then it's, it's a lot about career planning. So in your initial onboarding, we'll show you a career path that says, we've got a bunch of training all set up for you. This is where you're starting. This is what's next. Here's kind of the, the sequence of events to get there. And we will work with you. This is the message. We will work with you on your career, we're here for you. So it's starting out with that message. The other really tactical element is at Whistle, when we write someone an offer letter, we call it a love letter. And it's, it's, it's a personalized letter of, oh my gosh, Kim or America or whomever, here's what I love about you. Here's how we're gonna work together, this is gonna be great. And then we put the legal stuff at the back, you have to include that, but it's not a form letter, it's a, a hiring manager saying, this is how much I like you. This is what we're going to do together. Because that's how you want to start. Not a, mm -hmm. by the way, here's how you get fired. And here's what we'll do to you if you do something bad. And all the way, offer letters tend to start. I love it. This idea of starting at the, I see you. I know you. I want to get to know you better. I also am resonating with the 90-day the onboarding. I think when, <clears throat> when we switch new jobs or join something, there's this innate pressure of having to like perform immediately. Mm -hmm. And going back to what you were saying earlier about the hierarchy of needs and the need to feel safe. I think just the fact that like, whoo, I've got at least 90 days before I'm expected to even get it. So right. I think I think that that's, that's really beautiful. What does it look like for the users of your platform? Um, I hear a lot of ideas, but beyond the platform and the tech, is there like consultation involved? How are you helping the users and the companies to sort of fill in these blanks and create yeah. We Whistle? Well, so there's two types of users. The end user is the employee who's maybe given a payment card or provided the app. Um, we have a mobile app, of course, because we want to be where, where people are. And for them, the goal is there's no instruction manual needed. You pick it up. It's obvious. Oh, God, this is great. I should do this training. And Rob and our little AI engine is guiding you along the way. So hopefully it's super frictionless and, and easy. For our administrators, we have a ton of tools. 
and it's all modern tech built. So it's all drop, drag and drop, super easy and clear. But we do a lot to help them along. So we have a bunch of wizards says, oh, do you want to set up a new onboarding program? Great, let me walk you through it. Sort of like TurboTax or something like that that walks you through each step. And we have a bunch of templates that say, here's a sample program. You can just drag and drop your content into each one of these slots. But also for clients who need a little more help or, or just want that assistance, we have a whole client success team that's there and their sole focus is to make our clients successful. I love that, cool. I, I have, I can't, I know you've mentioned Robin a couple times. My, I've got two questions. Number one, is it Robin with an I or Robin with a Y? Yeah. And I see what you did there. I love it. It's, it's a human name, but also attributed to the bird, which right. whistles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Smart. So whoever your, your marketing folks or whoever came up with that one, kudos. <laughs> that, that is exactly right. Cause Robin whistles and yeah, it's both. It is with an I. <laughs> So I hope okay. that's okay. um, Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll mention one other thing. Um, so, you know, you kind of asked about onboarding and what's different and, and unique. And, and there's another element that relates to culture. If I can go there just for a minute. Yes. It's actually a perfect segue because we want to know more about your company and your culture. Well, so for us, um, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion is really important to us just personally, to me personally and, and to the rest of our team. And I think we have a wonderful dynamic um, and, and hopefully we can get into that someday from sort of the people that, that I work with. But one of the tools that we use that we make available to anybody who wants it is uh, our payment card to drive culture. And here's how we use it. Every month I give 20 bucks to everyone who works in the company uh, that they have to spend on the company. And that's it. And so the idea is, I, the, the origin story of that was we, we got a new headquarters and uh, someone suggested we have a bar. And I thought, yeah, that, that seems like a great idea. And I was going to give $1,000 to one of the folks and, and to say, would you mind stocking the bar? And then I thought, wait, that, that's not what we're about. Because then it's just what that one person wants. So instead, I gave money to everyone and said, why don't you bring something for the company? It could be alcohol for the bar. It could be something else. And you know what I didn't realize was we had a recovering alcoholic in the group who like it just, I mean, I just spaced on it that having the bar wasn't activating that person. So every month now we give money out to everyone in the company. People use it to buy a birthday cake. They use it, a, a group got together. It's not that much money. So if you wanna spend very much, you have to collaborate with your colleagues, which is what I'm trying to drive. So all the engineering team got together and paid for a beer tasting. We've had a chocolate tasting. Some people bought board games and snacks. So every month uh, we produce a little video of how we're using our culture budget. So um, things like that, when, when you say to one of your employees, especially, you know, we have a couple of folks that are really quiet, awesome, smart, but just quiet. And they often don't speak up about what they want or things like that. When you say to them, hey, here's some money, some company money, spend it however you want. It's really meaningful. It really says, I, I see you, I wanna know you better. So one of our clients was gonna give $11,000 to the United Way around the holidays. Instead, they gave each employee a hundred bucks and said, you know, I was gonna write a check to the United Way, but I'm gonna give you all a hundred bucks. You donate to whatever charity you want. And they used our, our process and we could see exactly which charities they gave money to 
not one of them gave it to the United Way. They all gave to these super local micro charities, you know, their, their local church or community group or whatever, but they gave to something that was really meaningful to them. That's the type of, I think, way to, to really exercise DE&I in a way that doesn't cause you extra, extra budget, doesn't cost you anymore, uh, but you're, instead of saying one person, you decide for everyone, you can say, let's let everyone decide. Uh, and that's really meaningful. It feels like very on mission for me. It's meaningful and an ode to ownership, I think, which yeah. leads directly into loyalty. I, I love that, the, the company budget. I, I think we might steal it. Uh, we have a our people and, and culture team. And I'm, as, as soon as we get off of the live show, I'm going to be like, did you see that? Can we do that? I, I love it. I think I think it's great. So we are coming up to the the final minute of of our show, and we do have another viewer question. Um, this one came from David Corbala, and he he his disclaimer here is I did enter this a little late, but he he wants to make sure that he's understanding that Whistle provides the insights and tools without automating the entire process. And the reason why he's asking is because he feels that template templated emails, automated messages, etc. Um, can sometimes feel easy to identify, right? We've all got those bots coming through on automated emails and LinkedIn. Yep. Hey, I like your profile. Want to talk? Um, so with that lack of direct human interaction, it can sometimes be difficult or exhausting. Uh, so where do, you, where do you strike the balance, I guess, between automation and the manual component or what does that look yeah. like? I mean, I think it's a great point, really. Uh, so we use Robin as an engine not to do the thing, but to nudge the person to do the thing. So I, I think it's exactly the right point. And that's, we could easily just set up a ton of automation stuff and make it all just happen. But you're right, you lose all the authenticity. And in fact, that's also part of our methodology that if you really want to drive loyalty, if you want to make people feel heard uh, and seen, you can't do things like from the CEO level and just have a blanket approach to everyone. So that we really encourage managers, you know your team, do the right thing for your team. So let me empower you. Let me encourage you to, to have a budget or have authority or whatever to do what you need for your team. So that's what we do. Uh, so Robin is the one saying, hey, Kim, have you, you know, leaned into your team this week? Because, you know, there's been a lot going on, that sort of thing. And then it's up to you to figure out, huh, how do I need to do that, right? So we don't solve it all for you. And, and we give you the resources to make it very personalized yeah and are you able to identify like can this not in this like big brother watchdog sense but again who's going to listen to robin and who's going to be like shut up robin <laughs> yeah, we do. and then you know it I, I agree we try not to be too big brotherish, but you know not not listening to robin is okay unless you then are struggling to perform mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you ignore Robin and you're really succeeding, then we're going, well, hang on, what's wrong with Robin? Uh, uh -huh. So I need, to, I need to improve Robin. If you're ignoring Robin and really still struggling, then maybe it's a slightly different route. Okay, good, good to know. Well, Drew, it has been an amazing conversation to learn with you about employee loyalty, why it matters, ways to make it easier. Uh, so thank you very much. Unfortunately, we are to the end of our time today. Time flies when you are having fun. But thank you so much for joining us here on, on JoJo Live today. Kim, America, thank you. This has been uh, wonderful. It's uh, been a thank treat. Thank you. Time.
So hang on just one minute as we go off air. But before we do go off air, America, what do we got lined up for the rest of the week? Yeah, so tomorrow we're going to have a show with Shell Mitha. She is the CEO and co-founder at The Last Game Board. We're going to talk about bringing humanity back through gaming. The topic is how can we harness the power of connection and community through gaming? It's going to be tomorrow at 12 p.m. Pacific. Don't miss it. Yes, that's right. And I think we also got a show coming up on with Ion Learning. Give mm -hmm. me just one minute. That will be on Thursday. Yes. And the Siobhan topic we, that yes, with Siobhan and I I had this. There it is. Um, she'll be talking about talent development in the downturn. Why investing in talent development can save you in a downturn. So here we go. Thank you so much again, Drew, and everyone for watching and joining us today. See you tomorrow, 12 o'clock Pacific. Stay safe. Bye. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.